Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late. And that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com slash KeepStock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. What's up, everybody? This is Hall of Fame wide receiver Terrell Owens here, a.k.a. T.O. Get your popcorn ready. Do a favor. Leave my guy Connor a five-star rating after the show. Listen to it. uh, Give him some feedback. And also, if you want to listen to my podcast as well, uh, check it out. Subscribe, share. Uh, you know, you don't need to leave a five-star rating. You know, uh, we're five-star. I'm five-star uh, all the time. Uh, my podcast is called Get Your Popcorn Ready with T.O. and Hatch. Uh, again, check out both of those podcasts. And hey, check it out, listen, and subscribe. All right, thanks for tuning in to Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you are listening iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, or whatever podcast station you use. I greatly appreciate it. Joining me is a special guest, former Eagles fullback, Leonard Weaver. Leonard, thank you so much for taking time out of the show. I can't wait to go into this interview. We have so much great things to talk about. Your story, your Eagles tenure, everything now what you're doing right now i'm so excited for this i i i think the viewers are gonna just absolutely love to hear from you again we miss you in philly man oh man Connor, thank you so much first of all for having me this is a pleasure and an honor and i look forward to definitely talking about you know those things that i was experiencing and through the injury and just my time in philly man i'm, I'm excited man thank you for having me i'm so excited because you know Philly's such a football town. We love our guys, and it's always the underdog guys because you know if you've seen through the past through Eagles history, it's Nick Foles coming out of nowhere, and then we hail him. Even you, because before you came to the Eagles, uh, our fullbacks were like John Ritchie, who was a grinder, but nothing that you're not. Besides him being on radio, you're not literally talking about who he is as a person or like how much exciting he is. But you brought the you ran the ball very well. You were as fast. Fastest fullback I've ever seen play the position. You caught the ball extremely well. You were a weapon that defenses actually had to consider in both those aspects, and you blocked extremely well. That's what really captured Philadelphia. So we'll obviously get into your injury after, but what, like, I know you played in Seattle, then you played in Philly, 
two great football cities, by the way. Have to mention Seattle. They obviously their fans are great as well. But what about Philly? What did where did it capture your heart? Is is that where you consider? Did you do you consider yourself a retired Eagle? Absolutely, it's no question. Uh, matter of fact, I did uh, back in thirteen. Howie Roseman, who you know, I'll thank you. I know he's he's under constant pressure all the time, but uh, oh, we love know. that guy, and then we hate that guy. Yep. But uh, he he really does a great job, and um, he made it possible. Um, awesome. You know, I know Andy at that particular time as well. Him too. Want to thank him. They made that possible. The coaching staff, especially after what I went through with the injury, so I want to thank them. But um, the the what went into making that decision was simple for me. It's a business. Um, yes, I had several teams that, that were after me and more money was even on the table. But for me, it was about longevity. At least, you know, I didn't know the injury was happening, but it was about longevity and, and coming in and being able to contribute right away without having to learn too much of a system and then how I would be used. And after me and Andy spoke and, and Marty, um, it was very clear to me that not only was the offensive system where I needed to be as far as the, the West Coast and the terminology and being able to adapt right away, but I would be able to fit in with Westbrook and uh, and McNabb and, 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 you know, Deshaun and those guys because I was an added weapon. And they made that very clear to me. So what kind of impression do you get when you go into Philadelphia? Like what – I mean, obviously just alluded to Andy Reid and how you felt that he, he could fit you into the West Coast offense that he was running. But, like, you know Donovan McNabb's reputation around the league. I'm sure – you were aware of like his t- fallout with T.O. He's coming yeah. off a couple injuries since yeah. when you're joining the team. What was your initial like reaction to Donovan McNabb? How, how do you view him today? Uh, I actually view him probably a lot different than people would expect. Uh, I like Donovan. Um, to mm-hmm. me, people I know have issues with his personality, but I didn't. Me and Donovan, actually, we, we were roommates uh, in training camp. Uh, you know, Andy and him really, they accepted me. Westbrook as well. Um, to me, Donovan – was a guy that liked to grind. He invited me out to, to Arizona. I worked out with the receivers. I was one of the, the only back out there working with those guys. Um, to me, he had a tremendous work ethic. Um, to me, that made a difference for me because in this league, you want to work with guys who understand what the work ethic is. A lot of times, I don't think fans get to see who people are outside of the game. And I think they have to understand, too, this is a business. There's certain things that won't be revealed and there are certain things that will be revealed. And between me and him, our relationship was always good. He was always straightforward with me. I never dove into the things that I heard on media, social media, because I understand people are people. I I actually had a run in with Tio when I was when I got injured. He came down to uh to Alabama when when he got injured. And man, I had a chance to sit down and talk with this man. He opened his heart and I I got to see T.O. outside of the game. Because football is entertainment. Mm-hmm. This man has a huge heart. Yes, he was he's a little chauvinistic for sure during the situation that was going on. But I think the biggest thing with him, he was hurt. And how things kind of happened and transpired. So I to look to look at and talk to both of those guys, I think it was a big miscommunication on what was going on. And I think that's on a part of both of those guys, being that they were superstars, being that they were teammates, that they had to, you know, come together and fix that. But my relationship with Donovan was totally professional, totally friendship-oriented, and I trusted him on the field. Because you really – I mean, that's that's a good perspective on Donovan because you actually were with him towards the end, honestly, with his yeah. Eagles career, obviously. Yeah. So you're sitting – I mean, this is before you even get injured. You're in this locker room. You're still 
fairly new to the team. You're one year in with the team. I mean, no, not even one year in. You're a couple months in when they signed Michael Vick. Did that surprise you? Because you're now you just said you're working out with McNabb. You're fully expecting McDonald Nabb as the quarterback, which he was that season still. But did anything go through your mind? Like, why are they bringing in Vic? They have McNabb, and then they have his former, like, he's going to be Aaron and Kevin Cobb. Like, what's going on here? Did you ever think that? Kind of no. And I'm going to tell you why, because I was kind of on the end on that. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, I actually kind of got an in on that, man. Uh, I was contacted, me and Donovan actually talked about it. And I know he talked about a few other guys. Donovan brought it to my attention. Brought Donovan, me and him were roommates. Like I said, we were in training camp together my first year. And he asked me about it. He he asked me honestly, which, like I said, for our relationship, I think it's different than a lot of people may have seen him over the years. He shared that with me, and I'm just coming in. You know, we didn't have a prior relationship to that. We never played in the Pro Bowl together. You know, we didn't have a meeting or a greet or anything. Uh, and he opened his heart up to me about that situation. And for me, I know it was a media uh, extravaganza. But for me, I was all about the second chance because it happened to me. I remember when I was in Seattle, Mike Holmgren was going to fire me. The third game, he calls me into his office at 7 a.m., uh, outside of the team meetings to fire me and he fired me and I was it was the worst time of my life um, I gave up three sacks and the game against it's a preseason game and uh, he called me in and he basically told me you're fired get out of here I'm walking to the door I'm literally crying I, I mean as big as I am I, I'm crying and Mike Holmgren stops me before I get through and says Leonard hold on he says come back and sit down and he, he proceeds to have this conversation with me about what he thought of me, who I was, and what I could be. From that day forward, my life changed when it came to giving people second chances, sometimes even third. And for Mike to come out of the situation he was in, to be able to play the game and participate in the game he loved, I felt like he was not only remorseful, but I think he was ready and he showed it. And so I thought it was a great move uh, by the organization, Andy. And then for Donovan to have that conversation with me, I thought I, I agreed and okayed it right along with him. That's so because I mean, uh, it wasn't like they they brought Vic in and then everybody was worried about Donovan at the time or like what was going to happen. It was a media thing driven, but that's that's awesome to have your perspective on that to know that Donovan was you know let's do this, let's help, let's give Michael that second chance, let's be the team that does that. Uh, to have especially with Donovan because he he had to deal with Jeff Garcia coming in and winning while he was injured. He had to deal with uh, Kevin Cobb uh, being drafted in the second round. So he always had to deal with some other quarterback coming in that got the spotlight for a little bit, especially Vic when they signed him at the time. But to, I think I think you're right. I, to me, Donovan is the most underappreciated superstar the Philadelphia's ever had, you in know, my opinion, personally. I, I, I have to agree. You know, And let me tell you, I've taken a lot of backlash from people concerning the support of Donovan, but I would have to agree. And I think, too, Donovan's confidence in who he is and what he brings to the table has always been, I think, overlooked. I think it's also been misunderstood why he's had to be the person he's had to be because of that lack of appreciation. I mean, you're talking about you looking at statistics, man. He's right up there. Top five. I mean, when you think about it in terms of, you know, yards and touchdowns, I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's right up there. Maybe not top five, but he's definitely in the top tier of quarterbacks. I mean, and that's not without me doing my statistical research. I'm just talking verbatim, but I'm just talking about when you look at what he's done, at least in Philly. Um, it's, oh, he's the best Eagles quarterback all yeah, time right now. Yeah. Right now he is. There's right. absolutely yeah, no doubt to me. So, I mean – you 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 know, he's a person that had to guard himself. You know, I kind of look at him like Andy, right? 
Andy was a guy in front of the camera where you got the straight face. You never really mm-hmm. got a smile. But man, that guy off, off camera in that locker room, you know how awesome of a person he was? I mean, man, he come in dancing. You know, people only got snippets, but people got to understand. Of course, in this business, you do have to protect your players and sometimes in the organization. And I think, and I know, the way that Andy and, and how we went about business made all of the difference in that locker room. So, Absolutely. you know, I just think it's just it's, it's the perception of actually being there and knowing the person versus what people see. And that's why I'm glad to have your perception on because you clearly know Donovan that well. I didn't even know you guys were roommates. That's a great, not, that's a great little snippet for everybody to hear. So if anybody knows Donovan well enough, folks, it's it's Leonard Weaver. So I wouldn't doubt what he says. Just take us back to 2009, though, man, because it, it was exciting. I mean, I do want to get your thoughts on Andy winning the Super Bowl finally, since you clearly have a love for Andy Reid, and as we all do in Philadelphia. But uh, he 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 utilized your skill set and his offense to a full advantage that we'd never seen from the full acquisition before. Obviously, seventy carries for 30, 323 yards, five total touchdowns that season. Like you were a legit weapon as a fullback, where no one would have expected that before. I I mean, at the time, I'm I'm sixteen, seventeen years old, thinking like, how was a fullback playing to like this capability? Because I played Pop Warner, I played <laughs> high school football. I we our fullback was coming in, he was an extra offensive lineman, if anything. So. Well, to have you come in and just basically revolutionize the fullback position was incredible for me as a fan. What, like, how did it, how does that happen? How do you just translate to that position with your skill set and make it just click in the Eagles offense? First of all, you know, I, I always have to give honor to God, of course, because of the ability he gave me. But I will have to say from all the coaching over the years, you know, I've been a guy that's always considered myself very versatile. You know, in college, I played tight end. So I know how to block mm-hmm. coming up forward. Um, you know, being able to play linebacker, quarterback, safety. Um, I've, I've been a guy that people can just depend on, and that's because of my love for the craft and the game. I always consider myself someone who can do more than just once. And for me, being a free agent, I had to make that a staple on my resume, that mm-hmm. if we pay this guy, we're not paying him for one position. We're paying him to pay, play four. So that means we don't have to get four guys. We can ask Leonard to do all four. So with that being said, I think Andy, when he really saw, because I know they did their research, he knew what he was getting. Once that season, Westbrook was out. Because, you know, Westbrook played like the first couple games with us in the right. season. We had a meeting because now the, the pressure was going to be on this youngster we drafted in McCoy. Mm-hmm. And so it was pretty much Andy had a meeting and said, listen, I'm going to need you to step up and do some things. And I just told him, I just been waiting for you to give me the green light. And from that conversation, he was like, let's go. And he, he depended on me. And I showed him through, you know, the trust and of course the play playability there. Absolutely. You made the Pro Bowl. You made the Pro Bowl that year. I mean, yeah, yeah Wes, I, I definitely remember. I I mean, LaShawn McCoy was a special player no matter what. Obviously he proved that, but even coming in his rookie year, rookie struggled to translate. So I right. think if anything, if you asked LaShawn McCoy today who helped you early in your career, like translate to the NFL, I, I would assume he would say one of your, you would be on the top of the list. Oh, man. I, well, I would hope so. But, I mean, I would have to say Ted Williams, our running back coach, probably most likely him and, and, uh, and uh, Lord, uh, Coach um, Nick, um, who's there as well, who's coaching, I believe, at Baylor now. Um, those guys really helped McCoy. And then, of course, Ted was like, Leonard, you know, take them under your wing. Um, I think a combination of us coming from Andy on how to get him prepared because it was no question in our heads he was talented. It mm-hmm. was, was he going to be responsible off the field? Will he handle the, can he handle the load 
coming in his rookie season. And I think we all agree that we don't want to put that kind of pressure on a rookie just yet, especially with Westbrook kind of exiting. You know, it wasn't like he had a whole season to learn and then, you know, be submerged in it his, his, the following year. It was more so, man, we had to make a decision because Westbrook just went down. We got Leonard who can run, but then we got this young kid we, we drafted in the second round who can play, but he still hasn't been able to kind of translate to the game. And uh, I think it, it worked perfectly. Perfectly, uh, I was able to kind of take and relieve him of some of the pressure until he kind of learned. And, and you can see around week eight, week nine, he was immersed, and his ability started to show just a little bit to, to mm-hmm. the point that he is now. Absolutely, I mean, so obviously you're not surprised he became the player that he was, the superstar yeah. running back. Absolutely, I'm going to put you on the spot here, and you don't have to. You can Go answer ahead. this any way you want to, though. Who would you take? If you had to, Westbrook or Shady? If you had to pick a running back to start your team with, I have to do it, man. I have to do it now because that's actually a really big debate. And uh, I love Westbrook today. I love both. I love both. Obviously, Westbrook was I can all Philly. That. I can answer with no hesitation. I love Westbrook and I love Shady. Love both of those guys. Um, but I'm going to go with Westbrook and I'm going to tell you why. To me, it was, it was a couple of reasons. Westbrook, to me, was one of the best blocking running backs. Mm-hmm. As you can see nowadays, a lot of teams aren't requiring the running back to be in protection because you figure you take away that extra blitzer by putting that linebacker on the running back. And if you got a running back that's fast, well, he beats the linebacker. You throw it five yards, he takes it 60. Mm-hmm. And when we were playing, it was a little bit more different. We had to be involved in the protection and be able to block big guys. Westbrook could block. Shady wasn't as good of a blocker at all. He he considered himself, to me, more of a runner slash, you know, I'm going to break it up field versus a guy who was going to be involved in really killing the protection. The second reason is, to me, uh, Westbrook and Shady talent-wise, I think, take, you know, I think Shady was a little bit more talented in terms of being able to move and stuff like that. But for me, it, it goes with pass protection, and, and I'm going with Westbrook. I love you, Shady, but that's what I'm going to go with. I mean, yeah, that's fine. I think a lot. Of, I think Westbrook would win this debate, anyways. Usually in Philadelphia, I, I, I mean, Shady. I just like you said. I don't think I've seen in Eagles history seen a running back run that way. Uh, Miles yeah. come close, but well, you get. That, you know what? You you also looking at two different eras. Shady, mm-hmm. absolutely, is, you're absolutely right there. You know, he's a different type of back. Westbrook, yeah, he's a zone back, but you know, Westbrook could also get downhill quicker, and I felt like that's what more of Westbrook was. Um, mm-hmm. downhill guy. Shady is a cut slasher, give you a move, and you, you're right. I haven't seen a running back really put the type of moves on guys in traffic, out of traffic, in the snow um, like Shady. Mm-hmm. I think that equates to Shady's great ability to have crazy balance. His work ethic to me is definitely zero to nine. I mean, he works super hard. Um and uh, and he's shown that he's been reliable. Right, Westbrook's receiving ability though I think was better. I would it, say Westbrook's well, receiving because Westbrook was, in the slot. Right, that was going to be my second point that I was trying to think of, but I couldn't get to. It was pass protection, but it was going to be that. Yeah, no, absolutely. The pass protection matters. I agree with you though. Yeah, that that yeah. matters way way more than the receiving ability because you well, can you give the quarterback more time. Well, when you think about it, nowadays in the game, you need that man. If you have a back who's good at running but he can't block, I mean, I can. He's a black, yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, you need that sometimes. Sometimes you have to go six-man protection, you know, where the tight end's getting out. Because, you know, nowadays tight ends aren't really blocking as much either. 
So you mm-hmm. got to have that sixth protector just in case they do bring a blitz, you know, up the middle or even an outside nickel blitz where the tackle can't pick it up or whatever. So to me, that's huge. But Westbrook, he could catch out the backfield. He was a great punt returner. Man, this guy, I mean, he just did it all. I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen Shady return a punt. Though. I don't, I don't think he has that skill set. No, no, no. You got no. That's what Westbrook show said for sure. But all right, Leonard, let's let's get into the point that I don't really want to talk about because it still pains me to this day, especially from being at the game. But your first carry of the 2010 season and that being your last, do that gruesome, horrible knee injury that, like I told you off air, I thought was top five worst injury in NFL history. Uh, to this day, it's still ranked as that such online too. You can look it up, but uh, incredibly painful for the average guy to me look at for like the average guy to just me to look at that picture that you even posted on your Twitter. I can't even imagine going through that myself and I'm just talking into a microphone every day. Uh, What's, what's going through your mind on the field at this time? Like what, like take us through it. Like, I don't, I, I can only imagine that that hit happens right away. You feel that pain. What's rushing through your mind? Well, I could, I could start here. I could say, I could tell you what, when I woke up that morning, I never thought that that would be the end of my career. I think I say Mm -hmm. that that often, but that play as we're running through it, I'm thinking, the way the defense was, I'm cutting backside already. I had made up my mind, I'm cutting backside. Once I cut backside, I met, I believe it was by uh, Big Raji. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, okay, my foot's stuck in the ground. I need to get my foot out of the ground and get moving. Well, before I know it, I'm hit by Clay Matthews, Nick Barnett. And I realized just for a brief second before even pain hit in that my, my, my leg is stuck. So now what I'm trying to do is bend my knee because I realize I'm falling. But, man, I don't know who hit me. I'm not sure who it was. But the last hit was right on top of Nick Barnett. And that pressure made the knee go all the way back. And I felt every bit of the pain. It not only shot up through my thigh, through the hip, um, but it went all the way down to my big toe. Um, that angle Nick Barnett took looked dirty, though. From watching the replay, I, he went very low, man. You know what? He he did, and he was holding on for dear life. He actually hit my knee, but then he ended up going down to my foot. If you look in the picture, he's holding on to my foot. Yeah. And my foot is literally stuck in the ground when I get hit. But you know what? I, I can't say that it was – I don't think Nick necessarily tried to do it. Now, he's doing his job. He's holding on. I don't think he mm-hmm. was thinking about letting go. But it's crazy because before the game, you know, we've had a few, me and him, uh, since my days in Seattle. And uh, before the game, he was talking some trash, and I was talking trash. We were jog jacking back and forth. But um, but I remember Clay Matthews, who we played in the Pro Bowl together that uh, the year before. He's the one who threw everybody off me because once I once I got hit, and I I mean you could hear it. It was I mean you could hear it popping left and right, and they were screaming. Those guys were really, and they were really all trying to get up. But Clay Matthews was throwing everybody up. He's the first guy. Um, and me and him didn't have a relationship like. A friendship but in the pro bowl we kind of we talk man and have a little time you know had a good time mm-hmm. and he threw guys off me and checked on me right away weave we all right you know you all right hey get the get the guys he starts screaming over to the bench like get them over here get them over here. and for that brief you know few minutes after the injury with all the pain that i felt everything went numb i could hear i could hear you know literally nothing uh at all because i was so focused on what i was feeling and i wasn't sure what was going on from the way clay got up i thought my knee was twisted like a joe theisman type of situation you know like it was all over the place because the way he was looking at it was like oh my god and i was like oh shoot so um once uh rick the trainer and and paduzzi got out to the field they never really let me know anything they told me they were going to cart me off and i said absolutely not 
I said, I will not be cut off. This is not my last game. And, you know, like because of the person that I am, I told mm-hmm. him, I, I want to be carried off. Let me just carry off. Let me get there. And I'll be I'll walk to the locker room. And they fought back and forth with me, but they allowed me. And I think it was uh, Roderick Bunkley. Yeah, Roderick Bunkley. Yeah, he yeah, you Harold, over right yeah those guys uh, helped me off the field. And when I got to that card, it became even more surreal because I did hear the crowd. They were really it was silent. And, um, oh, you can hear a pin drop. Um, you can hear a pin drop for yeah. sure. And and as I was, you know, going to the locker room, I heard them clapping. But in my heart of hearts, I kind of, I kind of knew that something wasn't right. And uh, like I said earlier, when we got into that the doctor's, uh, you know, room and to do the MRI, you know, the doctors they came and they were pretty much crying. They were, they were in tears because they didn't really want to tell me that Leonard, you're, you know, you're never going to walk again and your career is over. And uh, when they told me they finally broke the news, I can remember them moving me into the locker room in the uh, the training room in the locker room. And I sat there for the rest of the game waiting for uh, the orders to go to the hospital and, uh, you know, trying to be upbeat. But, man, my heart literally began to drop and sink. And uh, and so I had the guys come in. Matter of fact, when Michael Vick was the first guy that came in after the game, gave me some love, you know, uh, those guys began to come check in and, and you know, and, uh, and from there, I, I kind of started to feel a little optimistic about the approach. And I think a week after, I went into surgery to Alabama and began my rehab. And I, like I said to you off air, I watched, I rewatched your Derek Gunn interview, and you, you were full, fully content. Hey, I'm, I'm beating this. I'm coming back from this. I'll be on the field. Don't worry about me. I'm just going to rehab here. And I mean, just to see them working on your knee and putting the amount of pressure on it. And I mean, you like, like Derek Gunn said, you were out of character. You were like, oh, man. like <laughs> Listen, man. I can only imagine, man. Can you just I take will. us through these mental hurdles of like going through the rehab? Cause yeah. I, I can only imagine. Cause your hopes are I'm getting back to the field. And yeah. I mean, uh, it hurts me to even like think about this, man. So let, let's get, let the viewers know like how hard that is to go through. Um, It was super hard. Uh, initially I thought I was going to be there for three months, but I ended up being there for 11 learning how to walk again. But um, the reason why Dr. Andrews is highly sought after and one of the best doctors in the world is because of how he does his rehab. And Kevin Wilk, who's the head trainer there, and in Birmingham, the first day, my first day out of surgery, they started bending my knee. That's how intense it was. And it was, it, it was, I can't even really describe it in terms of how mentally draining it was to get up and be at that location every day, literally all day. I spent 12 hours a day rehabbing, working out. Uh, I did hit a mental wall where, I mean, I literally moved to Alabama. I got a place there. Um, I brought my dogs, everything that I could. And, you know, to have to get up every morning for 12 hours a day, just working on a knee and only to be told as you're getting better, that it's still a chance that you may never, ever see the, the field again, uh, reality started to kind of hit towards the end of my rehab. Um, but it was, it was, uh, it was tough. It was, it was tough, man. Emotionally, very tough. I was very emotional. I went through a lot of pain, you know, internally just and mentally because of what I had to deal with because I love this game. And, you know, I had questions about why was it taken away from me? And there was a lot of things that, that, that were going wrong because of, you know, what happened to me, but, um, I think it made me a better person, a better man. Um, I was able to change some things around in my life and, uh, and kind of, you know, rehab myself during rehab. I, 
Man, I can only imagine. That's that's tough. And to be become the person that you have become today, the follower you become today, uh, my hats are off to you, man. Like, that's that's not something easy to overcome, especially with being in question if you could walk again. Take being that convenience of being taken away from you just suddenly out of nowhere, unexpectedly, and then having to go through the mental hurdles of the, that grueling rehab process that you just alluded to, and living life, uh, hoping that you could play again, and then doing all this work just to find out. It's not going to happen. Like, that hurts me to even just say it out loud. So, bravo to you. Bob, my my hat's off to you for come, becoming the man that you are out today after all this uh, all this trauma you went through that would break a lot of people. Uh, it, you're an incredibly strong person. No, man, I, I would have to say, you know, I, I owe some credit to a lot of people who were there um, who helped support me. Mom, of course, always. Um, there were some important people, Coach Ted. Um, you know, got checked in from time to time. And uh, it was people there that really helped, but it was very, very difficult. And it came to a point, I would just like to share this with a lot of people out there that may be listening, is there does come a point in your life where you have to make a decision between the reality and your dream in certain circumstances, not in all. Uh, For me, the reality was my optimism was great, but playing in the NFL at the level that I played at would be virtually impossible because of medical circumstances that I had and the timing in which I wanted to come back, what doesn't fit and didn't fit with my age and, you know, where I was, where I was trying to go. And uh, I had to accept that. And I think it was the, the first game. I think when they played in Detroit of the following season where it really started to take a toll on me, you know, emotionally, uh, very tough to, you know, cause I, You know, those guys were focused on ball, and I would watch them play. I watched them play every game, every single snap. I went to the game. Um, Of course, I was on crutches for a while from a wheelchair. went from a wheelchair to crutches. And it wasn't just my knee. It was my foot, too, man. I mean, I had to go through two surgeries on my foot because they had to, um, you know, my foot, you know, normally you get the dorsiflex your foot up and down. Well, I lost all mobility in my foot, my left foot. So they had to do a special surgery to lift my foot up because it was constantly dangling or they call it a drop foot. And I remember the, 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 you know, the nail that they put in my foot ended up getting sucked in my foot and creating this huge hole that they had to go in and do surgery. And it set me back even more. So it was, it was one of those things when I say, man, really, really, you know, hard to push to. And I thank God for the people that he put in my life at that time to help me through, because I'm gonna be honest with you, man, I probably would have lost it. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of money you got. It doesn't matter, you know, how successful you are as a person. If you don't surround yourself with the right people, um, it'll literally kill you. And so I'm, I'm very fortunate, Bart. Uh, I was able to make it back through. And when I came to my first game at the link, I was sitting in the – I came down to the locker room and I met all the guys. Uh, man, it was such a, a humbling experience to be greeted by Andy and those guys and for them to let me come back and, and to be around, it just, it was a beautiful thing, man. So, you know, it's, Eagles organization has always treated me awesome. And, uh, and, the, and the players and, and the people that work at the stadiums, you know, thank you. If I have not thanked any of you guys that are out there, thank you. And thank you, Eagle Nation, for your love, man, and your support continually, uh, even after the past 10 years. Oh, absolutely. That our ple- completely our pleasure for let me speak on behalf of Eagles Nation because class act, Leonard Weaver right here. Absolutely. So 
since you're pretty much thinking of legalization now, let me just get into this last one of these last questions. What's what's one thing you would want the viewers to remember from your Eagles tenure? Well, what's one thing? I because let's forget the injury. Let's end it here today. It's done with now. We're you, you're past it now. What's one thing that because I would like to remember Leonard Weaver, the guy who caught his first touchdown pass from Donovan McNabb yep. uh, on a great pass and then just ran right through these defenders. What's one thing you want Eagles fans to remember you for? Wow, is I think for me it's uh just how hard I worked. Um. You know, being somebody who was trustworthy, being somebody who was, uh, you know, credible. Um, and when I say that, I'm talking about my work ethic on that field, bringing what I did off the field to the field, showing up, being there on time. And then, like you said, translating that onto the field where they're scoring a touchdown, knowing what I'm supposed to do on plays, that he was somebody that, that was trustworthy and could get the job done. Those are the things that meant a lot to me in terms of who I am and what people know me as. I want them to know that when you speak that name, Leonard Weaver, that's the bruising fullback that busts his tail. And uh, we could identify with that because he represented our city. He's a guy that nobody knew, came in, bust his tail, hard hat. Not only that, he was loving. You know, I came, I didn't mind giving autographs, man. I love people. And people love me, man. So that, that, that those are the things that stick out to me. Yeah, I had to show you my off-air. I had to show you my mini helmet that you signed for me and put 2009 Pro Bowl on. I loved it. But, uh, of course, we're going to remember you that way. And the exciting fullback plays, because, again, the Eagles don't really even use a fullback anymore. So we're always going to remember the last exciting uh, superstar fullback we had in Leonard Weaver, of course. But now you're getting into high school coaching. Like, I love that you're getting into the coaching side. It sounds like you're the type of person that I would want leading my football team. Uh Doug Peterson actually started off as a high school football coach, and now he's a Super Bowl winning NFL head coach. Is that in? Are you are you having plans of thinking, hey, I'm doing the high school thing now? Maybe in the future I get into the NFL and get into coaching. I would absolutely love that, man. I think it would be great. Um, that is definitely a goal of mine. Um, and of course, you know, I love the aspect because of what I can bring to the game for the younger guys. I know they're aspiring to get to college, uh, and I believe I, for me, I played at the college level, even though it was D two. I played at you know the best that 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 I was uh, the, the best at my position and what I did. So um, I look forward to instilling some of those things and bringing some of that attitude uh, to these kids so that they understand not only the business, but what's expected of them. Also, that's great to hear. And then let's just get into it because uh, I know that you're raising, you're doing a booster club for your Coral Springs uh, football team right now. Let's, let's let the viewers know it so we can uh, help you out because Eagles Brawl and Myself is doing everything that we could possibly can to help you guys. I want all the viewers to get in on it too because Leonard's doing a great thing right now, uh, coaching and just being a spiritual person because we get to learn so much from you. You're like a sponge for these kids to soak up. So let the viewers know how we can help because we would love to do so. Oh, man. Well, I, I would say for all the viewers out there, if you guys want to contribute, because right now if you've probably seen me on post uh, on social media, I've been posting about raising money. The location I'm at is Coral Springs High School. And uh, when I came in and take, took the job, I've always had the attitude of building something. That's always been my approach to everything. Um, and so, you know, I got to raise funds. Uh, the program doesn't have funds. Um, and I know a lot of people question the area. It is a very uh, wealthy area, but they've been through four or five coaches who have been very unstable, um, who've been taking from the program, stealing and different things that I have heard. I don't know if that's actually true. But that's what I have heard coming into the position. And so for me, I'm trying to create some stability, some honor and some integrity. And so I'm raising money. Uh, we're, our goal is 70 grand. We've raised almost, uh, I want to say, 700 bucks. Thank you to all the people that are giving. But um, if you want to give, um, you can go to, I believe it's Coral Springs Booster Club 
let me make sure I got this information correctly so that I can. Uh, make That's sure. fine. Yeah, we gotta get this information correct because I gotta go to everybody out there to help you out, man. We got Eagles take care of their own. <laughs> no, they they have been a blessing to me, but um, it is okay. Here it is. It's going to be um, yes. They can give. Uh, they can go to Snap, uh, not Snap Raise, but they can go to uh, Zelle, or they can go to um, to the Gmail and give through uh, Cash App, and you can do it through um, Colts QB Booster Club at gmail.com. That's Colts, and that's C O L T S QB Booster Club at gmail.com. If you can't give through Zelle or if you can't give through any other way, you can give through PayPal as well. But we're raising money because they don't have locker rooms. Uh, we need uh, jerseys, uh, uniforms, um, and I'm trying to bring a attitude, you know, to these kids that, you know, to make their environment easy for them to focus on school and then focus on playing the game. And if, if we can do that as a staff, which I believe we can, um, then it can be done. So they can go to uh, to PayPal and they can give at Colts QB Booster Club at gmail.com or they can go to Cash App and do the Cash App sign, the money sign, Colts QB Booster Club and give that way as well. We would love to help. Um, anything you guys can give over, you know, it is tax deductible. So we are 501c3. The money is not going to Leonard Weaver directly. This money is going right into our Booster Club account. And this money is going to go to pay for those things that we need. So nutrition, um, we have pregame meals. You know, I got a JV and a varsity. So when you look at that, that's uh, 18 meals a year, um, which are going to probably cost about six to five to $6,000 per program. So for the JV as well as the varsity, uh, we got jerseys, uh, brand new uniforms. We would love to do two jerseys, two set of pants. But um, if we can't do that because of funding, we'll go two jerseys, one set of pants. I'm fine with that. But either way, I'm trying to change the culture, the attitude, and what this program has been looked at over the years. I'm trying to change the perception of that in the community. And it would help for all of you, if you could, to please participate. And I will be putting the details to donating in the episode's description. You guys can check that out. And this is help Leonard out. I love that message you're trying to send. It's all you can clearly tell where his heart at heart is at in doing this. I, I want to help make this happen for you. I hope Eagles Brawl and Eagles Nation out there listening does does their part as well. Uh we'll be promoting it on Twitter and doing what best we can, Leonard, and we'll try to help you out here. Connor, thank you so much, man. It's been a blessing, man. It's been a blessing talking to you going back on your Eagles career. I know we all miss you and I I just I'm glad that we had the opportunity to do this and had the opportunity to sit down and do an interview because that's just not how I want to end. Leonard Weaver's tenure was that injury. Uh, I know your rehab was with uh, Derek Gunn, but after that, it was just nothing. I, I felt like the media didn't really pay attention to you after that, and I, I, I hated that. So I'm glad that I can do this episode, add some closure to your Philly tenure, and just remind Eagles fans how much you love them and how much we loved you before everything went down. No, that means a lot, man. And, uh, and like I said, I do love Philly, man. You guys have been – you're pretty much the identity of who I am, hardworking, bust your tail and you know you let people know hey if it ain't right it ain't right fix it and once you fix it we'll love you again so i understand that very much so i I hope to have you on the eagles coaching staff someday i hope to see you one day after you everything you have to accomplish coral springs and all the bumps along the way i hope to see you on the eagles coaching staff someday making it happen for these running backs out here maybe 
bringing back the fullback type thing because I think they help. I, I what do you? Well, let's end it with this. What do you feel about the NFL going shying away from fullbacks? Like, does that? What does that do? Does that bother you? But I mean, I mean, again, you were like a jack of all trades player, so just to call you a fullback also is kind of wrong. <laughs> no, I don't think it's wrong at all. Um, I do think it's an important position. You need it. But nowadays, I understand why they're getting rid of it, and the reason why is because fullbacks are not making themselves, at least from my perception from the outside now looking in, they're not making themselves valuable. I mean, I, I, we just talked, I think the highest paid fullback now is uh, the young man. In Kyle the, Juszczyk, yeah. And 49ers, he's I mean. Basically, yeah, so, Kyle Juszczyk. I basically, yeah, I told you all fair, he's, he were basically him before it was popular yeah. <laughs> to be like that. And, and you know what? He's got paid a lot of money and, and he's done an outstanding job. Um, but what I teach these young players, especially going from college to the pros or from high school to college, is to make yourself valuable and be able to do more than one position. The fullback position is a one-of-a-kind position that it takes a special person. And I would have to give a shout-out to one of my mentors, Max Strong in Seattle, uh, Coach Stump Mitchell, because you know Max Strong was the last really fullback that I saw who still ran lead because they didn't. we didn't even run zone back then. We were a – lead on the Mike linebacker zone, you know, uh, uh, off tackle type of a team with Walter Jones. So that type of offense started to kind of go away during, you know, the Mike Homer era. But, um, but I do, I would say, man, it it does kind of put a little sour taste in my mouth that they're not, but I understand why, because we have to make ourselves valuable. You got to make your defense account for you as a fullback. And you definitely did your part while being in the Eagles uniform, even the Seahawks uniform. I think that's what I mean, obviously drove you to the Eagles. They saw you shine that athletic ability with the Seahawks, and they go ahead and we got to get them. But we're glad you chose us over the Seahawks, the Buccaneers, and the Vikings, right? That's all the teams that were on you, I think? It was uh, the Raiders. Um, the Raiders, too. Yep, it was uh, the Dolphins. It was a few East Coast teams. A lot of teams. Yeah. Yeah, it was a few teams that came out from the East Coast that I, you know, because they knew I wanted to be back on the East Coast in some location. But, uh, but man, I'm glad I chose Philly. The best decision, period. Best decision. Absolutely. And we love to have you in there. Thanks for hopping on the Eagles Brawl today, giving us your time. Almost 40 minutes on an episode. That's amazing to take this out of your day. Uh, I, I had a pleasure talking with you. I'm sure Eagles Nation's going to love hearing from you again and hearing the backstories and everything in between on this episode. Uh, thank you again for coming on and speaking with us today. Tony, you're welcome, man. Thank you, Eagle Nation. You guys take care. You too, my friend. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.